0: Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, a.k.a. entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everybody. This is uh, the Harper Plus uh, podcast. I'm making entrepreneurs great. This is Glenn Harper. This is Julie Smith. And our guest today is Paul Thompson, a real estate investor, a fellow entrepreneur, another podcast host, and just an all-around good guy. Our paths crossed, and we thought he'd be a fantastic guest. So welcome, Paul. How are you?
1: I'm amazing, and I'm really excited to uh, figure out what we're talking about today.
0: Well, I can tell you this, the the first thing we have to get out of the way, we got this elephant in the room and, and uh, looking at your bio, the rumor has it you used to be an engineer. Do you still have those tendencies? I got to get that out no, of the way.
1: Okay. No, no, no. Um, I, I needed a job at a college that paid money. So, and I what happened to be good at math and science when I was in high school. So I found myself in engineering school and ended up working um, as an engineer for Fifteen years, seventeen years, I guess, in the corporate world before I realized that that wasn't my calling. That had to be horrible. It had good spots and bad spots. Um, corporate America can um, just they, they just uh, ring ring you out and just leave you out to, to dry. Whatever they decide, it's not you're not worth it anymore.
0: Is that uh, you know as you start in the corporate America? Is that kind of when you know usually an engineer is the you know the smartest person in the room. And then, but at some point you recognize you've got to kind of get, a, other relationships and teammates and that kind of thing. Did you have that concessions consensus when you were in corporate America and realize that, or is that when you went on on your own that you decided that that's how it has to work?
1: Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, When I was in the corporate world, uh, I was an engineer for several, several years, an an actual, you know, individual contributor, they would refer to it as, but then I realized I wanted to be in the rooms where they're making decisions. So I went into management and Mm -hmm. I kind of kept climbing the ladder and I liked being in the rooms where they kept making decisions. But I realized the the more um, doors that I went into, there was always another door that I wasn't in. So until you're the CEO of the company, then you're not going to always be in the decision, the ultimate decision maker. I finally realized, you know, let's just go do my own thing where I'm always, I'm the one who decides where the room is in the first place.
0: So that, that aha moment was because you wanted to make, be the guy making the decisions or you wanted to do something great on your own?
1: Good question. I, I wanted to do things that were interesting and learn the what it takes to make those interesting decisions so part of that maybe is the engineer background is I want to build things I want to make things that are interesting and I found that that growing and building businesses is really interesting and really complicated and there is no one right answer and so that really is the the, the drive to for me is to like to grow as a person is what would it take to Where I could control my lifestyle. It was more of a lifestyle design than it was like I had to be a a maker of some um, amazing invention. I don't have any new ideas about being an engineer. I'm more of a uh, I would say a visionary where I I want to um, come up with an idea and I want to hire people around me to go make the stuff because I'm not actually the engineer.
0: So that is so such an interesting track because you know, I would say the majority of clients and colleagues that I come across, they are their trade in corporate America, whatever it is. They do this thing like you being an engineer and like, OK, I'm going to I can be a better engineer somewhere else. I don't want to deal with all this BS. I want to go do it on my own. And they go do that job as an engineer, yep. self-employed. You bypass that and you went instead of just doing business, you decided you were going to build a business. And it's a. Uh, talk about balls of steel to be able to just go out there and just say, I'm gonna pick real estate, like something random mm-hmm. that you never did before. Yeah. How did you settle on that? I mean, that's a that's a big ask. I mean, that's a very complicated industry. And how do you just go, that's the one I'm gonna do?
1: <laughs> it's funny, I think I chose it because it was the least complicated. Um, and specifically um, by real estate, that can mean some different things. I specifically started buying rental property. I like just very simple, single family, residential rental property. And it, as the compli- the level of co- complexity goes, that's actually quite simple. And as as an employee, I could go and buy one rental property and just see if it worked. Because I really wanted to, the 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 impetus for all this is really I wanted to control my lifestyle. I wanted to change the script where I was not having to ask permission from my boss to spend time with my family. Instead, I wanted to spend time with my family. So I would then ask them permission: Could I go and spend? this weekend at a conference, learning about something Did that that makes sense with our life values at the time. So I, I really changed the order of operations. And when I looked at the things, and so I was like, how what can I do where that is that order of operation works, and doing something on my own was one of them. And I wanted to do something where I wasn't buying us myself another job, I, I looked into doing insurance, I looked into starting a franchise, all those things felt like I was just buying a job. And so I thought like, what could I do that just created passive residual income? but I could do some work on the front end. I thought, well, real estate seems like something that fits that category. I started buying a few properties and like, I don't know what it was, 18 months later I had, a, I had purchased 18 properties and I realized this was my thing. And that's when I realized I didn't need the corporate job anymore.
0: So you were able to keep your real job and do the entrepreneur thing on the side for 18 right. months. You know, one would say that that's pretty, uh, that's a, a bold strategy, Cotton. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you keep a real job, do your family and take that leap of faith and say, I'm going to do this. And, and you didn't just buy one. Like you said, you bought 18 of them. I mean, yeah. you, you got to get your head examined. Like who does that? So, so, the rea- so that's the, 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 I think the impetus for me on this or the takeaway is that any entrepreneur out there listening to this is that you just have to go do it. You can't think about failing. You can't think about those things. Did that even come in your mind that it wasn't going to work? Or you just said, I'm just going full speed. This is what I'm doing.
1: <clears throat> so really good question. I think this really gets the nugget of the entrepreneurial spirit. It's I sat on the sidelines for uh, 15 years of my corporate life, kind of wishing and hoping and dreaming that I would go and do something else. Um, and, but I stuck with a security or the appearance the, the, um, you know, of security with, that you have with a corporate job and the consistency of the paycheck, right? Um, and, I, and I realized that I, I had to get out on the field. And that, that, that's the analogy that I often use is I, I, want, I had the vision of playing on the field, and, but, I, but I wouldn't do it, right? I was afraid of failing. Um, and our culture kind of drained, uh, trains that mm-hmm. into us. Our educational system, for sure, trains it into us that you're not supposed to be, ever be wrong. And that's not how business works you have to go out and do experiments. Now you're not silly and foolish about it, right? I I didn't just throw caution to the wind. I I took a very careful and and measured approach. Let me go buy a property. And when I bought a property, I was able to refi and oh, this this works, let me go buy some more. And then I did the next one, I did the next one. And I happened to be doing that in 2015 when it was easier to buy properties than it is now. but it still wasn't 2012. I mean, it was harder than it it was just three or four years prior to that. But I realized that was the opportunity that that you could find deals at discounts. And I really got into the game of finding that gem of a property that I was buying at 30% below what the market value of the property was and at cash flowed. And I could get really low interest rates (laughs) Um, at the time. They're low interest rates. Now they'd be considered high higher interest rates, Uh, but still 6% or less. And that, I feel like was a very measured and careful approach and not at all um, throwing caution to the wind, but I was not afraid to make mistakes. My mistake was not trying for 15 years. You know, it's funny
0: though, timing is everything. If you'd have started this in 2005, 6, 7, 8, when everything blew up, who knows what could have happened. You could have um, still had the same great strategy and weathered the storm and you'd have even greater opportunities, but everything happens for a reason, right? But Mm -hmm. would you... Would you um, when you made the jump out on your own, did you have like a a mentor or somebody that was coaching you through this or did you just say, well, I got to figure this out on my own?
1: Good question. So I very early learned or heard the advice, find a mentor, find a mentor. Um, And, you know like finding a mentor is actually not as easy as people make it out to be, because the people who are offering their services to you, um, usually are, it's a paid transaction, right? It's a a paid Mm -hmm. experience. And you just don't know if they know what they're talking about or not. Um, but I was very lucky and I went and found, I did some sort of Google search and I found somebody that was in a market about an hour from me. So probably not considered competition. And I emailed them and said, this is what I'm doing. And I'm interested in mentorship, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to exchange my time, my energy, anything to help you in your business a, as in exchange for me learning the business. Um, and he is a very interesting story. So two or three weeks later, he called me up and said, Hey, I, I got your, your email, um, I'd like to talk to you. And he was kind of a merc- mercurial, um, interesting kind of odd cat. Um, he said, I'll, I'll mentor you. But here's what you got to do. First, you have to go buy the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I want you to get a physical copy. I want you to read it, highlight it, and write a three-page handwritten essay. And then I want you to mail it to my PO box. And after you do that, I'll talk to you. So it was his way of, of testing people if, if they're serious and if they're coachable and teachable. So I did it. And over the next two years, I probably wrote like six, seven, eight um, handwritten three-page essays on different books that he sent me. And then what he did probably better than anything else is he sent me to, he, he said, here's a conference coming up from Pete Fortunato. Here's a, uh, a conference coming up from Go to These are like the, 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 the uh, grand old men of real estate. They've been doing it forever. They're not into it for like this mentorship, $50,000 service in the back of the room kind of thing. They're just these guys that have been doing it for 30 plus years. They, they have these courses on the weekend and that's it. There's, there's no more upsell. And I went to those. I went to probably over about a three-year period. I probably went to like, I don't know, 20 plus of those. And I got wow. a, a master's level degree in, in, in real estate in a couple of years.
0: I am just absolutely intrigued that you, when you ask for somebody to mentor you and they give you back a test, <laughs> not many people would have said, screw this. I'm not doing that. I, right. That is an, a, what there had to be something. And again, you, you probably, you don't know it consciously, but subconsciously, there had to be something that in you that said, I just have to do this. Cause that, is opposite of everything else you were trying to do. So, how, what was that? What was that calling? How did you know?
1: It felt like a Mr. Miyagi moment. It's like, oh man, this is some like a real life wax on wax off shit. And I, like, yeah. like, I've got to, like, this. I'm not sure if he actually knows what he's talking about or not, but uh, I checked him out. He seemed like he, he was legitimate. I was like, let's, let's do it. What was it? What was the cost to, to that, really? It yep. was reading a book that I probably would have already I'd been happy to read anyway uh, setting up a, a good practice of highlighting into taking notes of a book you should be doing anyway. And then writing a three page, uh, uh, essay, um, which I did not enjoy the handwritten part of the essays. That was horrible, but that was a test for him. That was like, I haven't further, further into it. I could ask him like, okay, well, you know, I've done these handwritten ones are, are you ready for me to just send you a report? And no, I want them all handwritten. Did
0: you have okay. to do it in cursive or print it?
1: <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> that, that was not part of the specifications. He didn't okay. care. I
0: was like, if it's cursive, it'd be over. No one could read Glenn's handwriting is why. So he would have had this three page essay and no one would have had any
1: idea what was even on that. Are these hieroglyphics? What are you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm using my Egyptian hieroglyphics because I can understand pictures. Uh, So when you, you know, the ability, you know, what we see sometimes in entrepreneurs, you know, they have this idea, they want to go do a thing, but the point when it becomes real is either when, in your case... The realness is you had a desire. You already had bought a property, perhaps before you talked to this guy. But then, when you had to write that dissertation back to him, you were literally kind of made your manifesto, if you will, right? And mm-hmm. why you wanted to, that pretty much turned it from a dream to a goal, right? Is that yeah. was that the kind of the thing that made it happen for you then?
1: That is, and I actually came out of one of those um, essays. It was um, something to do with, uh, I forget exactly the book, but it was a book by Jim Rohn that he had me read. And as I was writing it, um, I realized there was some ego in what I was writing. I was, um, for some reason was had this, um, as I was writing it, like I had typed it all out. And as I was handwriting it, I just kind of realized, damn, I'm, um, I, I, I think I'm something else. Like I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there as this, um, successful, uh, corporate middle manager. And I've, I've done all these things. That's all that's irrelevant. Those are good lessons. Those are principles I took from it, but I was, I had to let go of my ego and be vulnerable and be willing to not know what I am talking about in this new world. And part of that exercise helped me consciously come to that realization.
0: Literally as an engineer, that was your aha moment. Literally when you realize Mm -hmm. that you didn't have to know it all and you could, you have to put yourself with a team around you and hire your experts. How, after that, with this guy started mentoring you, did you, did you like, you know, the trifecta of a business owner is, you know, or an entrepreneur, you, you want your CPA, you want your attorney, Mm -hmm. you want your banker, you want your appraiser, you know, in your case, uh, you probably want some kind of motivation or or, you know, counselor of some sort. When did you start putting that team together?
1: Hmm, that's a good question, especially on the the attorney and CPA front. So um, that that's and I, I know you probably uh, re- resonate with this. That's a can it can be a very difficult thing to figure out when you need it and at what level you need those services. So I found the banker and I found the um, uh, let's see which what would you say I found the. Uh, appraiser appraisals and I found the realtors. Um, but I I didn't deal with the attorneys or the CPAs too much early because when you're first getting started, you don't actually need those services that much because you're not making money. Um, uh, it's not until you start making money that you realize, okay, now I'm, I've actually done some things. I've actually had some expenses. I've actually bought some properties. Now I need to file taxes. That's, that's when the CPA comes in and with, with the attorney, unless you're doing, you're messing something up. I mean, like a lot of the state contracts, we're just using state contracts anyway. Right. So it's not even that, that complicated from a real estate perspective. Um, it's when you start having multiple entities, uh, that's when you pull in uh, your accountants and, and, and attorneys. And it's very interesting dynamic that as a business owner, I I have a difficult time talking to attorneys and, and accountants because, um, you can't get your attorney and accountant in the same room together. And so they tell you opposite things. Like they're looking at, at your situation through a different lens. And it's really hard to find um, a a business-oriented accountant or attorney that can kind of see the bigger picture and kind of nudge you along, or along the right ways. And that's really not their function. They're not there to be a business coach. So you have to kind of take aspects of the... Uh, legal entity structures. You get to aspects of tax, um, you know, legal tax avoidance, right? Um, or tax mm-hmm. optimization strategies. And you have to take the, um, like, what do what do you want to accomplish as a as a business, and kind of gather these 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 three things together. And I found the first couple of years that was the most difficult part of the business, not the real estate part. Doing real estate turned out to be kind of easy. Mm-hmm. It was being the the business owner and knowing what kind of lever to pull at the right time was what was, I had the hardest time understanding because there's very little that's taught about that.
0: Well, I think that just, you know, uh, really, really pisses me off. And (laughs) and the reason why it does is because the perception on everybody's industry. And I was, I was busting a little bit on being an engineer, but you know, the the same thing goes through as being an attorney, being a CPA, people think this is what you do. And a lot of times that is what you do, but it's not really what you do. And you were, your experience with the CPAs or accountants were transactional and just right. regurgitating data and putting on a form. You never had a, an advisor, a right. business advisor as a CPA to kind of coach you through that because, you know, in the old days it was all about, hey, we'll, we'll we can ask for forgiveness and fix this and go back and undo this and make it right. But now you kind of got asked for permission with the new code, right? So mm-hmm. that architecture of setting that up and working on it, that is what, you know, we're trying to do in the industry is to help clients and other entrepreneurs recognize that you need to have those deep high level conversations right away, because that's going to start putting the entrepreneur in a position to kind of understand their space, what they should or shouldn't be doing, how they got to monetize it, how they got to account for it. You know, how do they make money In that before they go and fall on their face and figure it out later, and you're just picking, you're just doing transactions. So it's unfortunate that you didn't get that at the beginning because it would have been uh, a life changing. We we say that that's the shortcut that saves somebody, you know, five, seven, 10 years of anarchy.
1: I so agree with that. Uh, um, if, if anybody's listening to this, you need that business strategist. And it's really handy when they're a an accountant and or an attorney as well. So they can give you advice on those aspects of any business that you're in as well, because you have to solve for both of those. And if you try and just talk to an attorney about legal matters and just talk to an accountant about uh, tax matters and, and then try and like take that information, because an attorney will tell you to never do anything because it's risky, oh, yeah. right? And an accountant will say, well, it just, just, depends on what you want to do. Just tell me, just tell me and I'll, 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 file it for you. You know, like, well, what nope. should I be doing? Well, that's what the business as a business owner is, what you need to figure out. And you need that business strategy on the front end that it, and then have a legal and tax strategy that aligns with that.
0: Yeah. We see that, you know, the order that we like to see it, um, And when we talk to the most, you know, I don't want to say the most successful because it's not about the money. Right. It's about the process. It's about having fun. It's the journey. It's all those things. But it it ends up being that you kind of build what you're trying to do and kind of map that out. And then you go to the attorney and say, how do I protect myself legally? People mm-hmm. want to do it backwards. They'll so go to the attorney, but they don't even know what they're trying to build yet. And right. the attorney just doesn't know what that means then. So yeah,
1: it depends. It depends, it, right? Always. It depends on and the attorney's
0: like, oh, you can't do this. And it's like, wait a second. No, It let's define what it is we want to do and what that makes sense financially, tax-wise, and all those things, then execute that with the attorney. Then the entrepreneur can go, oh, well, they we can turn them loose. The, the entrepreneur, like for you, you know, in real estate or anything that you might be in, it's trying to find that price point, the margin, the return on your investment, all those things. When did you determine as an entrepreneur that, was it a return on investment on on your rent roll? Was it on flipping a property? What were, what were your matrixes that you were trying to determine to decide if that property was worth it? How did you come up and figure out those calculations?
1: Okay, so when... You're, you're looking, just like you said, when you're looking at um, running a business, like you, you, you want to figure out what your angle is, like, like, mm-hmm. where are you adding value? And where is the margin? Where's the profit opportunity, right? Um, and so I wanted to replace my income first, like uh, building wealth was nice, but I wanted to be able to buy my freedom back buy my time back so that I had the freedom to go figure out do the things that it took to build wealth. So for me, it was cash flow, I wanted to buy properties. That had a certain amount of cash flow. And I want to have as little cash in those properties as, as I could, so I could turn my money. So I would buy a property, and then I would want to get a I'd do a do the Burr method or you know buy and refi. And I wanted to get the refinance and get most, if not all, of my money back. And so I was into it for um, $0, which, you know, is a, uh, you the know, greatest infinite, ever. Yeah, right. infinite cash, cash, cash return, but I wanted it to cash flow when I did that. So I didn't want to borrow so much that I was like just breaking even was the point in that. So, um, I, I wanted to have, you know, $200 of true net, net, net cash flow per door or per unit that I, that I purchased so that every time I was buying something, I was adding a cash cow into my portfolio of at least $200 per month.
0: Beautiful. How long did it take you to um, build the model so you could scale this thing? I mean, you obviously had to figure that out within the first probably three, four deals before you got to 18, mm-hmm. but how, how many did you have to go, oh, son of a gun, I missed that one up. And it, how many times you have to
1: fall forward? Yeah, I, I definitely made some mistakes. Um, surprisingly, when you buy properties that you know are, are 30% below the value of what, and again, this is you're buying a property that, Um, There is some sort of uh, underlying motivation from the seller that they need to sell and uh, time and uh, ease is more important for them maximizing the seller return. That's the fundamental aspect of my business. So I'm trying to buy things at at a discount. And when you do that, it's really hard to mess up because you're buying things at such a discount. So you can uh, have some rounding errors, have make some uh, erroneous assumptions, have some prices come up, uh, come up and still, not be hurt that badly uh, provided that you are truly buying the property at, at, uh, at, at a big enough a discount that gives you a margin for error that's the fundamental part of that now as i got further along i got more aggressive because i had the financial means to be more aggressive because i would then buy properties that are more valuable that had less cash flow but they had the potential for higher appreciation and I made some mistakes. I mean, I've I've bought properties that I intended to flip. Did the rehab? Spent fifty thousand dollars in rehab. Did the, the did the flip? I mean, sub, the, the rehab cost more than I thought, and and then I I'm stuck with Son oh I a- did all I did all that and I I lost two thousand dollars. Why? <laughs> 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 what, what lesson did I learn there? And usually I'm buying an odd property and I'm not sticking to the fundamentals of buying a property that you know that, that is very marketable to to the marketplace.
0: Is that probably a fair statement to say that as an entrepreneur, um, whether you start out or you've been in business for five years, 10 years, 20 years, you have to be willing to pivot and change. You've got to adapt, right? And some people fear that and they get all nervous and, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. And they go in the doldrums and other people go, aha, I'll just do it different this time. It sounds like you were that, ah, I'll do it this way the next time, right? Yes. How long did it take you to... Did you ever feel like, oh, my God, what have I done? Or was it mm-hmm. always, oh, I got this, no problem?
1: Yeah, so far I haven't felt like, what have I done? Um, you, know, you know, time will tell if that ever uh, happens. But um, I, I knew very early on in, from being in business um, for other people that it, the reality of the world is, is in the business world is, is adapt or die. You have to adjust, you will not be in, especially in real estate, you will not be in one aspect of the real estate business for your entire career and, and just not worry about anything, the, the the environment not changing on you. What worked 10 years ago doesn't work as well now. Right. So you're going to have to always adapt to the current circumstances. I mean, in uh, and, and now, things are changing faster than they ever have. Like who would have predicted? COVID and who would have predicted how COVID affected the, the housing market. It, it ended up being a net boom for us um, during the, the time. And it's still happening right now. What's to happen in the next three years? I mean, who really knows? Like we have a lot of, a lot of prognosticators, but um, my crystal ball is, is just opaque and I have no idea what's going to happen. So I'm keeping my options very open and I'm being very careful about not overextending myself over the next couple of years because of that uh i i recently read read a uh, a fact that it's like a couple of days ago the last blackberry on um, the blackberry service is, is it was shut down in 2012 there were 80 million blackberry users that's crazy so in, in nine years what was an institution now is a relic and that is happening in every industry so as an entrepreneur you have to kind of keep your your finger on the pulse of what's happening and what's working and be willing to adjust to something that isn't that that is working that wasn't working a few years ago.
0: Now Paul, we've talked about, you know, just a pivot here a little bit. You've talked about your driving passion being your family and having the ability to make those decisions with those relationships and what that means to you. And you've mm-hmm. talked about this close mentor throughout your career. Are there any other relationships that have really been imperative to your success throughout your, you know, your journey?
1: That is a, a great question. And I think that ends up being the question. I did not go into real estate or entrepreneurship for relationships, um, but I realized that, oh, that's why you go into business in the first place. It's about relationships, it's about service, it's about creating value to other people and you're going to need um, other people in, in the industry or any other uh, other professionals that you're working with and the greatest reward after buying my time back and being to have time with my family is the uh, new relationships that i've forged through being parts of masterminds and going to conferences so i now um I'm in a new business entirely. So I'm in a, a business that I call dirt to curb. I'm, I'm brand new in it. And I am like way over my head. And I'm like, I'm the absolute greenhorn. So we're buying basically raw land and we're converting it to residential development. So that is not a business that I know very much about. <clears throat> I, I joined a mastermind a year ago and a little over a year ago. And I went to a conference or an event that's hosted by the mastermind and met one of the people, a part of the mastermind there. And while I was there, there was someone talking about this business and I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I actually purchased a course that was, had to do with land development and took the course and me and this buddy that I met there, we kind of sunk up and started a new business. And last November, like three months ago, we purchased a new track of land in the DFW area, which is not, was not in my plan for 2021 at all, was to be in the land <laughs> business or to buy land whatsoever but it, it, I feel like it's a blue ocean strategy. And I, I'm currently in, in, a, in a very transaction heavy red ocean strategy uh, where I'm trying to find a discount and it's so hard to find discounts now. And it's so hard to, f- to d- deal with single family situations and it's so much more difficult. This um, raw land scenario is just a completely different level of conversation. And I would never have been able to even be aware of that business or have access to the kind of professionals that I needed to work with had I not been a part of that mastermind to begin with.
0: You know, what's funny about that is uh, somebody who is not an entrepreneur is probably breaking out in a sweat right now listening <laughs> to you talk because they just could not comprehend that you would do something on top of what you're doing, something totally new, and not only doing it, but excited. It's fun and it's just... It's looked at as an opportunity, not as a stressful situation. That mindset is so hard for people to tap into for themselves. Like, and it sounds like you probably always already had that in your, through your program that way, way back in the day. It just took a while for it to come out because your obligations and your responsibilities and the right timing. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah. But I would not characterize myself as the classic entrepreneur that had, that sold candy when I was, you know, in fifth grade or something. No, I'm, I was, extremely shy i was um it took me a while to kind of come out of come out of my shell um and i never had like a, a business drive or a, a potential acumen for or interest in business um, I, my, my initial motivations was i was broke um and i <laughs> didn't have a lot of money right and i i um needed i wanted a path towards a, a means of getting a a, a respectable working wage that allowed me to have a, 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 a basically upgrade my socioeconomic status from where I I grew up. Um, And it wasn't until I got into that, that job, that I realized that I had some, some, some talents, some skills, some things that I could go do in the world. Um, And I kind of took me a while to develop. But no, I would say I, I am not the kind of person who would jump in and do what you just described as far as you know, getting into a land business that I wasn't familiar with until recently, until I realized that I I had to build that mindset that if you want to realize your dreams, you're going to have to go into it. And if you, um, are making decisions based on fear, you're always going to find yourself lacking at the end, right? So finding a way to overcome those inherent fears that we have that that just, you're your primitive mind trying to protect you, um, is something that I have, I've had to overcome because I'm, I would characterize myself as a risk averse person when I was in the corporate world and and realize that was just like another phrase for, uh, I was afraid to fail.
0: But I think a fair statement would be, is that, you know, taking a chance, getting a success, failing forward, it builds and you, you develop this shell or this, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, a safety net or something in you that just says it's going to be okay, no matter what happens. I mean, because if not, you would, you wouldn't have bought the second one. You, you had to, there has to be that trigger. And again, this is a, for all the people listening, I'm not saying you can go, uh, you either have it or you don't, but you gotta, you gotta feed it. You gotta nurture it. And you gotta work through that. And you can't give up at the first sign of adversity you have to keep grinding through and i and i think this attributes to that because at no time in this conversation you wanted to have a comfortable lifestyle but at no time have you mentioned that you want to make a gajillion dollars and you're going to end it right do right. you, you have no end game that's the trick with entrepreneurialism. There, there is no end game it's the journey it's the fun it's the new things it's 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 acquiring knowledge meeting people doing the deal I'm excited for your land deal because one of my favorite questions to ask entrepreneurs is, you know, what is your dream deal? I don't know if this land deal is a dream deal (laughs) per se, but it certainly is something that's going to probably, after you do this one and you're successful at it, what do you think is the next deal? Is it going to be, assuming that this will be successful, because it will be, is it going to be a bigger development? Is it going to be a commercial yeah. development? Is it the special property in downtown Manhattan? Is it a South yeah. Beach property? What do, What is your dream deal that if you could just do that, you'd be like, wow, I, I just hit the peak?
1: So great question. So th- I'm going to answer this in, in two ways. So one is that my, my dream deal is developing um, – a, a property that, uh, kind of creates community and allows, um, me to host events there and it has, um, a Sufficient space to have a uh, recreation and have people come and stay kind of like an event center kind of thing, but, but I live there, that's like my in, in state place that I want to be in five, 10 years, um, th- in order to get there, I needed to de- learn to develop and. Uh, develop myself personally, but learn how to also develop land and develop and get into this land game. That's just, a um, it, it just adds zeros to what I'm used to doing. It, it's like the, the, the principles are all the same. There's some new aspects to learn, but right now, like my near-term goals are taking this one deal that I'm working on now and using that as a proof of concept to become a land developer and make the, um, significantly more, um, Income and wealth building, so that I'm in the position to basically give it all away.
0: That's fantastic. Do you have? Is your uh, family involved in the business with you, or do you keep that separate? And or do you uh, have like extended family, or is it buddies, or is it everybody is strictly, you know, a separate type of deal?
1: Good, good, good question. So I I, I like to do joint ventures, and I like to have business partners because I think doing business with people you really enjoy is fun. Um, my wife is. Um, somewhat involved in the business she has little aspects of it but she she is not the 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 grand big, big thinker she likes to like we're doing this thing where we're working on midterm rentals where we're taking our existing rental portfolio and renting them out to traveling nurses and so she's really enjoying uh, working on those properties getting them furnished and decorating them and having them a, a nice place for a traveling professional to come and stay at one of our properties for you know a three month to six month uh, uh work cycle. That's something that she's interested in. Um, but she does not want to be in like the, the details of the land deals and, uh, raising money. Uh, she is no part of that. Um, but I have business partners on these others, uh, uh, other activities. And I really enjoy, um, the kind of like the EOS, um, system of looking at a business, creating the business, um, and the meeting structure and the business structure and the entity structure so that we have a single clear focus goal and working on that. And doing that with a, with a, a team and a team member that is, has equity in the business. is something I, I really enjoy. So that's typically how I, I structure things.
0: How long ago did you implement like that EOS and with the strategic partnerships? Was that something you did on the 10th deal, the 20th deal, the 50th deal? When did you say, oh my gosh, this is definitely way easier that my partners are bringing me value versus giving mm-hmm. me money. When, when did that happen?
1: So probably about three or four years into it, okay. I started implementing the, um, like, a a small company's version of EOS, mm-hmm. um, that operating system where you have this, you know, the, the daily huddles and you're, you're, you're like, you have a focused purpose for every meeting and meetings are actually fun to attend and versus these like long drawn out things that don't make sense. Um, and then using, uh, a profit first like system for the accounting is um, it was very helpful so that I, as an entrepreneur, I was I, I I fight the 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 if I see cash in a bank account, I want to go I want to go invest it. And I got to realize that that's, that's a okay. good portion of that money, <laughs> <Just count it laughs> a good <for>. portion, <laughs> a good portion of that money is is not Investable right now, right? Correct. So, you know, like, be, be careful because you, you get yourself in a cash cash crunch too quickly or uh, very easily. And then very quickly, you can turn, find yourself in bankruptcy if you're not careful.
0: Do you, uh, do you not just sometimes just sit back and wish you had have back in corporate America and have a, a meeting to determine if we're going to have a meeting and then have huh. another meeting to determine what that meeting is going to be about? And
1: then we're going to oh, have another oh meeting gosh.
0: and then you can go to the meeting oh. and never have the meeting. And then, I mean, don't you miss those days a little bit?
1: I don't miss that aspect of the business at all. And that is I mean, anybody who's lived in the corporate world resonates with that. So, so uh, clearly um, I, I do miss uh, the camaraderie of the, the people in the larger teams. My, my teams are very small and we're super tactical and um, we live in a COVID world now and um, we, we don't, everything's on zoom, right? So, um, which has its benefits, but I, I miss having those intimate um like business structures where, where you have this common goal, and you're going to work on it. And so to ha- help solve for that, I actually host events. Now I did my first one last, last fall, where I host events, people who are in my mastermind, people who are in my community can come and we actually work on our business strategies. We go through the EOS system, we go through our, our nine day goals, and we plan out our five-year vision and kind of work our way back into it. And I find that very rewarding. That's a part of the business, um, environment that i liked was being that strategic thinker and putting together a plan so i just help other people do that now in their businesses and i get that that feeds that part of the business of the world that i that i miss from the corporate life
0: is that is that more of a there a fee for service or is that more you mentoring people
1: i, mean, I, I guess i am f- um, serving as a mentor in that in that uh, sense but it's really just a, a um the mastermind, people who are part of the mastermind, they, it's a monthly membership, um, but the event is open to anybody who wants to come. And and there's a lot of people from the mastermind there. And so we, you see this very close group of people who are kind of going through business together in our individual ways, but we all know each other's businesses and we help each other. Um, and so to, just going to the uh, event is just the, 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 the price of the event.
0: You know, it's so hard to find uh, like-minded people and not have the paranoid schizophrenia that somebody is going to steal your idea, right? You know, right. you have a unique superpower that makes you who you are and helping others is kind of a cool thing to do because you wouldn't have got where you got without somebody helping you. That ability to want to pay it forward and, and help out. And, you know, we've found, you know, I've found out in, in my world that, you know, it is actually kind of I know it doesn't sound fun, but talking to other CPA firms is is kind of fun because you just kind of see how other people are doing it. You're not going to take their clients, you're not going to steal their ideas, but you're everybody's kind of leaning on each other and helping them and and commiserating with the pros and the cons and the ups and the downs. And I think that's probably what you're trying to do as well. It's the the network and your community that you work with, being able to share that knowledge and and help somebody. You just you're not doing it because you want something in return. You're just doing because it it's fun. Is that is that something yeah. that you find very rewarding? I'm almost as much as doing a next deal, right?
1: Yes, it, to me, it feels like the, the the next deal because I very much am a deal junkie, and I like to chase like a, some sort of a land deal or a deep discount somewhere. Um, but no, I I do the events because it 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 feeds something in me that I that I need to do. It's it's my, my it's the way I contribute, um, and it also um, has a unintended consequence of creating something new that I would never have planned for. So sometimes it has nothing to do with me. I just see other people come to the event, they meet and they become really good friends or they start a business deal together or they do some sort of transaction together. Right. Um, sometimes I'm involved in that transaction. Sometimes I'm not, it just, it doesn't matter to me, but building that those relationships and those, that, that, that kind of web of connections um, just creates really interesting things that you would can't, you cannot truly predict, but I just like to create that environment to see what happens.
0: I think that's, you, that's one of my favorite words is the unintended consequence, because we intend to do something. And when something else comes out, that's so much more gooder, for lack of a better uh, term, it's, it's the best because, but that could never happen. If you're scared to say yes, if you're scared to do the deal, you're scared to meet somebody, you always say yes and figure it out later. And I think that's your mindset that you've had. And that's probably what's given you the success. Do you, can you, uh, do you have like a, a plug or a website or something that we can put to our listeners that they, you know, may want to reach out and contact you for any of those things that you want to do?
1: Sure. So the best way to find me is on my website at pauldavidthompson.com. And all those names are spelled about the way you would expect. I, I have the uh, the pleasure or the curse of having a common name. So it's com.
0: Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking some time with us today and uh, wish you continued success. And I, I know it. That you'll be just fine and the land deal, I'd love to check you back in with you in a few months and see how that's going because that just, it gets, makes me grin when somebody takes a really, really big chance <laughs> and gets out of their comfort zone because that gets the juices flowing. That's where the action is. That's the fun.
1: Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll let you know if I if I drowned or if I kind of f- found my pace and, and kept, my, kept my head above water.
0: Just put your Aqua Lung on. You won't drown. You'll be fine. Uh, there you go thanks again for coming and spend some time with us Uh, again paul thompson thank you very much this is glenn harper signing off
1: this is julie smith
0: at harper and company cpa plus we just don't care about the numbers we care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey you deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.